Hello, and welcome to Wands and Fronds, the weekly podcast that covers magic, houseplants, and more. I'm Shannon. And I'm Nick. And we're your co-hosts. So today, I'm going to be covering an amazing herb that I'm honestly kind of shocked that we hadn't already done. Uh lavender. Uh, And I'm also going to talk a little bit about this hilarious scam involving hematite for our QWP. Ooh, and um, I do love this. I remember when you sent me this post, so (laughs) I'm very excited to make fun of that a little bit. Uh, But I'm going to be talking about sleep magic and possibly the most charismatic ancient trickster god out there, Puck. (laughs) Oh, Puck. Oh, silly Puck. So I guess uh, the the official slash unofficial name of this episode is Midsummer Night's Magic. Uh, so it's all about like sleep, which is why we had the lavender in it. <laughs> yeah, and it's we were kind of talking about while we were you know kind of setting things up for the episode about how like n- witches don't sleep apparently. Yeah, apparently not because <laughs> there's like a million. Uh, sleep spells out there and like different things that people do and it's like do do any of y'all sleep because I certainly don't sleep and Shannon was saying that, that she has trouble sleeping Um, so we want to hear from y'all a little bit as well it's like do the people who listen to this podcast sleep does anyone sleep yeah I don't think so that's going to be my guess Maybe y'all will prove me wrong, but I don't think anybody's sleeping. I've, yeah, I've notoriously had really bad sleep for my entire life. Like, I don't get super deep REM sleep very easily, which is kind of cool because I I lucid dream a lot. Like, it's really easy for me to lucid dream. But I also have been known to have, like, kind of visual hallucinations when I'm waking up because my brain is just very bizarre. Uh, I've... (laughs) honestly heard you talk in your i've talked to you while you've been asleep or like half asleep (laughs) several times yep uh and yeah it like does sometimes okay so a funny thing about shannon is that it does take shannon a minute to wake up sometimes but she will talk to you oh yeah the the whole time talking about ridiculous nonsense yeah i i Eric has a very funny, like, list in their phone that they keep of strange things I've talked about in my sleep. Um, it's a pretty long list because I'm like, I'm very chatty in my sleep. And sometimes I know I, I've creeped people out because I'll also do the thing where – and I say I do the thing because I, I'm not consciously doing this, but I'll, like, sit up and I'll open my eyes and talk to somebody while I'm sleeping – and I used to be like a really bad sleepwalker too. And like I even sleptwalked some in college. And I've only sleptwalked once, I think, since I lived out here. But Eric woke up and I had basically stood up in the middle of the night. And next to our bed at the time was like our shelf that had all of our comics on it. And I was just like running my hands over the comics on top of the shelf, kind of shuffling them around. <laughs> and Eric was like, what are you doing? And apparently I was like, oh, I'm just organizing it. Oh my goodness! Um, so yeah, you just organizing it, you know, just shuffling them around. I'm just, I'm just organizing things in my sleep. So I was excited to like do a podcast episode about this because um, clearly sleep shenanigans are pretty common, and it is also funny because I know I skipped ahead, Nick, but you joked about like you talk about like Pisces people with strong yeah, yeah, Pisces, yeah. Miss, pla- Miss Pisces moon. Yeah, and I've always had the weirdest sleep stuff. I. I've been able to lucid dream for as long as I can remember. Like I've 
just always kind of done that. And I didn't know it was a thing that people didn't do until I got right. older. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I definitely love like astral projection is sometimes a little scary easy for me. Like I definitely like accidentally left my body the other night in a bath while I was like doing a meditation. So no, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you caught that because I was like, I hope Shannon reads this. Yeah, I did. And I was like, it's so true because I've i always had my most intense like astral projection like meditations when I'm not planning on meditating intensely. Right, right, right. Like usually in the bath. And I'm sure it's probably because like my brain is a little more relaxed in that state because I'm not like trying to make things happen. But it just – it can be very intense. Right. And then you just kind of like float out of your body and you're like, oops. Yeah. And then I like spend the rest of the evening feeling like I'm in weird limbo. Because at least for me, anytime I do that, I I don't really feel kind of entirely back to normal. Like I'm back fully in my body until I wake up the next day. Like yeah, usually say, it's like, takes uh, a long time. <laughs> it's like it's like tripping on acid. You actually don't stop tripping until you wake up the next day. Uh-huh. Um, exactly. Yeah, just feeling like spending the whole evening kind of feeling like your soul is like not fully fitting into your human body. It's like, like the meat sack feels like it's sitting a little strange after being out in the astral plane, I guess. Right. Or like, you know, you're like, uh, you're like the guy in Black Mirror and it's like sitting there in the chair, like watching their life on like a screen. Exactly. Like hitting little buttons to make yeah. stuff go. You're like, yep. <laughs> yep. So anyway, all that to say, like sleep stuff has always been really foreign to me because any, you know, I know you talk a little bit about it too and we can get into it, but, um, you know, I've never been able to find medication that helped because my problem isn't falling asleep, it's staying asleep. And so anytime I've taken medication for sleep, it's given me night terrors because I'll do the thing where then I just wake up but then my body is still asleep and I have the sleep paralysis, which is horrifying. And that almost always happens when I try to take sleep medication because it's like my brain just does what it wants. <laughs> um, I'm just such a bad sleeper. Yeah, I All mean, it's, it's, it's like literally why is sleeping so hard? It's like doing the research for this episode and then like working kind of a crazy week where there was um, the Beltane wedding that we talked about. Yeah. Um, and it's like, anywho, I've been, I worked some extra shifts for that, uh, specifically because obviously you can't work if you're having a Beltane wedding, <laughs> it would be too much. Um, but so we're all, I'm like fucking tired this week, basically. And yeah. it's been raining all week here in Texas. And it's like, all I want to do is like be in bed and sleep. Yeah, I did the thing yesterday where we had um, we had a bunch of people that live in our neighborhood over for like an outdoor Beltane dinner and I made like lamb and frittatas and I made bread and it was a lot of fun, but I made this epic cake like I do. I love making cakes. Um, I mean, and- your brownies, your, I, you know, it's funny because when I was there, we just had brownies multiple times because I was like brownies. I mean, yeah. you know. You know I love vibes. baking. But so yeah. yesterday I got up at like 7 a.m. because I made this cake. It was really good. So the cake was lavender cake. And then there was like a lemon curd and fresh cherries in between. And then just a regular vanilla buttercream for like 
doing the dam for the, you know, curd and the um, crumb coat. But then I made a Swiss meringue buttercream to put on the outside with cherries in it. And it was delicious. But, you know, I got up at 7 a.m. to start cooking. So today it's like the classic, oh, it's no big deal. I'll just have a dinner for 10. And of course, I'll be totally fine the next day. No, man, I'm fucking tired. Like, yeah, that's a lot. That's a, But that also, you know, why, why wouldn't you put that on like Instagram? You got to. Because I'm, I don't Instagram things very much. Unfortunately, I'm bad at Instagram. But also, I don't know, it's, I feel like more and more I'm just like, sometimes it feels nice to have things where you don't take pictures of them. Yeah, I mean, because then it's like your personal thing for like you and whoever else is like actually there in the moment. Yeah, and I don't I think, think anyone. Beautiful, I don't think anyone took I pics though. <laughs> live like one thought. Oh wait, remember when we went on Grinder and looked at that neighbor that tried to chat me up, and I was yeah. like one thousand two hundred and thirty-four miles from your living room. Yep, that's a real thing, people. Like. You saw that, right? I showed I that did. to you. And I was like, I, it's weird because it's one, two, three, four. It's like, how are our living rooms 1,000? Because <laughs> the dude lived upstairs from me. We never met up, but like, it, which was part of the thing. It's like, we never met up. So I was like, it's creepy that you live upstairs from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then I was yeah. like, but when I go on trips, I can know exactly how far away my living room is. So Which I'm going nice. to keep, I'm going to save your message. So. <laughs> yeah, I love it. But yeah, so Beltane was really fun though. I'm a little tired today, but we also got to use, I made candles last week. I like poured a bunch of different candles and I made um, several rosemary candles and I put those out on the table last night because we did have lamb Oof. with lots of rosemary. But now I've got one of my rosemary candles lit, which I feel like will be perfect for this episode. Yeah, yeah, because um, I, uh, I talk about Rosemary. Love her. Just a little bit later on. Because, I mean, we kind of, I wanted to take like a bit of an herbal slant because there's so many ways you can go with sleep magic. Like, oh, literally, yeah. do witches sleep because, okay. Let's just dive in, actually, because yeah. this is my segment, sleep magic. And... We were talking about the Pisces energy with the astral projecting, but it's like the Virgo energy on this podcast is very strong. Um, <laughs> True. So we're starting with a disclaimer. Uh, sleep magic is really cool. And for many people, it's going to be really helpful. Uh, but as a chronic insomniac myself, I definitely know. But in all seriousness, nothing we say here. Shannon, nothing? Nothing. Nothing constitutes medical advice and we are even not more than doctors that, yeah i'm not a doctor but i'm personally a witch who is definitely here to tell you to take your doctor prescribed medications until your doctor tells you to stop yeah do what your doctors say all of this is fun and it's ideas for things that you can research further but we're not your doctors and so just like no. putting that out there for lawsuit purposes <laughs> yes but also you know it's like i love a lot of the ideas that we're going to talk about here and but you know some people actually need to take sleeping medication because if they don't get enough sleep their other medications are not going to work yeah yeah no it's um 
take your meds, y'all. Take your meds, people. You know, because I don't, we, I don't want to be goop about it. That's why I say stuff like that. And Ugh. it's like, you know, because it's like, no, it's like we, like this is our, this is our witchcraft podcast. We do this shit in our personal lives. You probably do this shit in your personal life, but not a doctor. I'm a podcast yeah. guy. <laughs> We're podcasters. We're not medical <laughs> professionals. Certainly not. Uh, but you know, it's kind of like. I was saying before, it does feel like a big part of the community is that any witch online has a sleep spell. You know, like your your bigger like Instagram accounts and your like Pinterest pages, and it's like every you know, like the these are the fame the quote unquote famous witches, right? They all yeah. have sleep spells. Everyone's got like a sleep spell in their book. It's it's everywhere. It's ubiquitous almost um and i think you know it's like no one can get really any sleep but so there's uh there's teas there's teas you can do uh we like the herbalism mm -hmm. here at wands and fronds podcast so uh <laughs> dressed candles which you know shandon was talking about her rosemary candles i think that kind of falls into that be uh realm of things you know yeah. maybe not a did you so what did you do to make them rosemary candles was it like straight up rosemary in them i mean there is i topped them with rosemary but i um so they're soy wax candles and so i included like rosemary essential oils and then mm. topped them with fresh rosemary from my garden so both so yes <laughs> yes to both um, but no, this, so there's crystal recommendations. Uh, there's the the tried and true sleep sachet, which is like a very old, just like a very humble spell, the sleep sachet. Yeah. No, but I and feel like, like that's that's the beauty of those, you know? It totally yeah, it's is. Like, it's classic. It's simple. It's kind of cottage core, if I'm being perfectly honest. Like, I feel like a little <laughs> sleep sachet. Uh is very cottage core, but uh, so you could do uh, spells involving the moon, which I mean, speaking of Pisces, you know, it's like Pisces <laughs> is very affected by the moon uh, as that yep. as that watery energy. Um, oils, guided meditations, and these are the ones I just have to say that's never worked for me because I talk about this a little bit later on with guided meditations for astral projection. Yeah, I I'm like a kid in church, you know. I I just can't. Like, I like the the gong music or whatever, or, like, the singing bowls or, you know, like, whatever, like, just the little, like, one note kind of, like, to... Yeah. Like, I can't listen to another person talk. That's... It, I, I, I get too caught up in that. Like, and then it's, like, it's hard to actually... Like, how can you leave your body if you're so focused on your ears and you're, like, trying to listen to this person? Yeah, I've never astral projected with a guided meditation. And I love guided meditations. I really do. Um, but I definitely personally also couldn't astral project with one. Cause Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, That's tough. That's tough. Because, yeah, it's like there's literally something tethering you here if yeah, you're listening yeah, to like, the voice. <laughs> you're listening to the voice. I mean, I, if they do, you know, there's better ones and there's worse ones. but And maybe they work the for people, but, you know. So, yeah. Oh, you not can get, for us. <laughs> not for us. You can you can get Reiki for sleep, which a lot of people really like. The the Reiki Reiki and acupuncture can be good mm. for 
things like that for some people. Um, although I'm, I still have yet to get actual acupuncture. I have had Reiki before, but yeah, I really do want to have acupuncture. There's apparently a really good acupuncturist near here that I need to go to and check out because she's also an herbalist, which would be really fun. That's yeah, on my yeah. list, on my list of things to do. Okay, but you know, so we were we we're talking about all this, all of the different kinds of sleep magic that are out there, and I feel like human like are, is this list going to continue? Is that's so much stuff? <laughs> that's just going to be the episode. We're just going to be listing things. Yeah, it's just you know, like what what are the things that you could do, and then you just no, but okay. So the <laughs> thing about sleep though is that it's like such a personal thing for everyone, and. I mean, like you can look at traditional pharmaceuticals just as an example and know that there's as many ways to knock someone out as there are people who need to be knocked out, right? Like, Yeah, totally. Uh, but so I wanted to focus today on the Wands and Franz classic. We're going to be looking mainly at things that use herbalism. So the sleep sachet, candle dressings, um, teas. And I did want to talk about astral projection, and lucid dreaming. Okay, but... Oh, we have to say that for later, though. Yeah. It's like we already kind of did, but... <laughs> uh, but we're going to get... We're going we're gonna to do it again. Uh, they're, so they're great things to talk about. <laughs> it really is. Um, so, the tried and true, the witchy sleep classic, the sleep sachet, the cottage core king, really. Um, it's going to be a small bag. In ca- it's a sash... That's what a sachet is in... French, <laughs> uh, small bag filled with herbs, salts, crystals sometimes, maybe sigils. I do like the idea of doing a sigil and like, you know, writing a little sigil, popping it in there, maybe yeah, put it or even on turning, one of the stones. You could turn the bag inside out and write it on the inside of the bag too if you had a marker. 1,000. Yeah. 1,000%. <laughs> uh <laughs> So, but you can hang it above your bed, keep it under your pillow, put it on your bedside table. You know, there's okay, but like a super hot tip here with the sachets because we love the sachets. Uh, if you regularly buy like jewelry online, earrings, necklaces, I don't think rings come in boxes anyway, but <laughs> you probably have a few of those little fabric drawstring bags. Yep. Because they somehow think you're going to keep your necklace in a little drawstring bag instead of just putting it in your jewelry box with the rest of your shit. Yeah, they. I, it is one of those things, but everyone has them. It was funny. I was uh, I was at my friend Kelly's house today, and we were, like, doing some, like, I was helping with some organizing, and we found a bunch of those little things. And she was like, I just can't ever throw them out. And it's like, I mean, I get it. It feels yeah. bad to throw something like that out because it's so nice. It's nice. They're usually, they're, they're like, nice little fabrics. Um... So you probably you probably have one, like ready to go. Okay, but the thing with that also, uh, and for especially all the Pinterest witches out there, and I do occasionally get good info for my segments from Pinterest witches. There's they're nothing out there wrong doing, with it. They're out there doing the cutest shit. They're out there doing very cute shit. Um, but it's like a lot of the sleep sachets that are out there on Pinterest, which is like mainly like a picture based service. It's kind of leans into the the color of the sachet has to be important depending on kind of what you're trying to do be it like keeping away nightmares or promoting like restful 
sleep or, you know, staying asleep. I think all important things. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That none of us can do, apparently. That none of us can do. Um, And, you know, it's like, I'm I'm into that. Like, I love putting symbolism into your spells. But I'm also kind of like, use what you got, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I feel like so many of the spells and suggestions online, it's kind of like when you get a recipe online, right? It's like you take the recipe and then kind of like zhuzh it up depending on what you got. You zhuzh it up? Sometimes you zhuzh it down. You know what I mean? Like, it would be nice... it would be nice if you had the yellow little drawstring bag to do this to do the sleep sachet where it has to be yellow, but you know, yours is purple or cream colored or whatever. And I I'm just gonna, you know, better to use it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, something that I do think, you know, Nick and I both agree on is there's this uh this tendency, I think, especially with like all of the aesthetic shit going on, mm-hmm. to feel like you need to buy ingredients every time you're gonna do a spell. And that's like it's just not being a good steward of the earth either. And like witchcraft is about your connection to the natural world. And it's not cool to the natural world to like hop on Amazon and order like a box of 12 yellow sachets because you want to use one for a spell. So no. just like beware of getting caught in that trap. I will kind of like on the flip side of that, if you're wanting to do sleep sachet, uh, if you're a kitchen witch or just, you know, a good cook, you maybe have some cheesecloth lying around, a little roll of cheesecloth, like a little double layered cheesecloth and some twine. Oh, yeah. Would 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 really work for this as well, With especially if you were just going to do herbs I feel like a crystal might be kind of pointy and like stretch through, you know, and like let all the herbs out. But um, yeah, but that exact setup is really good too for herbal baths. So, you know, yeah, cheesecloth yeah, yeah. has like, a lot like of a good magic tea uses. Bag. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're basically making a giant tea bag if you're somebody that maybe doesn't want to like, because all of those baths online look really pretty. But all I can think about is how the fuck are you getting all of that rosemary out of your tub afterwards? <laughs> right. And, you know, it's like I was going to talk about baths in here because, I, I mean, there's literally a million and one things to do for sleep, uh, especially with like herbs and stuff. I would say any of the herbs that we're going to be talking about here, like you could do the your sleep sachet and take a bath in it. Yeah, no, totally. Totally. Like if that, I mean, because I, I actually, I like to take a bath before bed if I'm having trouble sleeping, just because the warmth, you know, like you get into bed warm. Yeah, it's like crawling back you, into the womb for a moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's nice, but yeah. So do the do the little cheesecloth thing. But I was gonna say, if you're doing a little cheesecloth thing, you could dye it. A little natural dye, a little food color wouldn't kill yeah. you. If you really feel like the color is important. Well, I also find that if you feel like the color is important, this is going to be my hot tip for you. Buy some different colors of twine. That way, even if you don't have like the full material, you can incorporate colored twine. Because I also work, I work with color magic, not infrequently. And so for me, I have like a collection of tiny little uh, birthday candles in a bunch of different colors. So I think like having a bunch of twine in different colors, having a bunch of like little 
birthday candles, I think, are good for spells. And those are all ways you can just have stuff in stock to incorporate, you know, into whatever spell you're doing. And I, I do I love the yeah, different color strings. I mean, you know, honestly, if if you're a witch, you should probably have a good sewing kit anyway. Like <laughs> I mean It'll come in handy. It will come in handy. Just in general. But yeah, you know, little making little sleep sachets, and you could you could use them to take a bath. Um, but so kind of like diving into the herbs, though, you're doing like a whole lavender thing today. So yeah. I'm just I'm just gonna say it is the one that's like universal when you're talking like sleep magic. When you're talking your sleep sachet, it's lavender everywhere. <laughs> um and but it's that's because lavender actually works and you're gonna yeah. you can talk about that i but i was just gonna say since this is like my side of the segment i do use like a little lavender sleep mist that i like oh, spray on my so bed nice. to like right speaking of i like to take a bath i like to do my little sleep mist and then i cover my eyes that's that's how I get the best sleep on a yeah, day to day basis. That sounds lovely. Um, but it, but but lavender is great, and it's the it's the relaxation with the lavender that I think is probably what recommends it well to this purpose. But yeah, it's the relaxation, and it's, and it does. If you can relax, you can sleep a little better. That's like kind of. Uh, across the board uh with the herbs we're talking about but what two that i thought were interesting that you know maybe are not the most relaxing smells necessarily if you were to just think about it as a relaxing potpourri and not like a spell that you're do- putting together um anise mm. and coffee uh I, both have I the properties that. of repelling nightmares yeah, I love that. I wouldn't have thought about that, but I have so much aniseed, like, because it's yeah. pretty. <laughs> I, I, I do like the smell of uh, aniseed, um, but I don't I don't, like, associate it with relaxation the way no. I do with, like, lavender and chamomile and, like, mint. Yeah, and coffee is, like, the opposite association for me. Yeah, it's like me. I smell coffee. I'm like, it's early in the morning. Someone's making coffee. Yeah. But, you know, I guess um, it makes sense for for coffee too because i know coffee is like kind of like a palate cleanser for your nose so maybe that has mm, something to do mm-hmm. it's like kind of like clearing out stuff and just like setting it to zero yeah i mean I that's know. that's yeah. that's a good point but you know coffee comes highly recommended for this mm. for this purpose um, that's awesome for but for repelling nightmares especially yeah. aniseed coffee uh calendula for restful sleep yeah calendula is also great in your garden because it is one of those um plants that will kind of like drive away other pests and predators so i definitely i think if you're a witch that has a garden calendula is super useful also for good restful sleep but it it also like will keep other things in your garden safe yeah yeah i and i think you actually talked about making like a calendula tea when you talked about calendula or am I yeah. – maybe I'm misremembering. Like no, I, I think I probably <laughs> did. I probably talked about it. Um, I actually have two different pots of calendula that have all these, like, pretty little sprouts have come up. So I'll definitely take pictures once they start flowering. Yeah, yeah. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it, but it's one of those things you see for sale, too, sometimes is, like, calendula yes. teas. Yeah. Uh, oh, definitely. I had but, a really um, good calendula body soap that I used until I just switched mm-hmm. to 
well, one with lavender, but it was, it's by this like local company that's really great. And I can't remember their name, but I'll plug them next time. I'll, I'll look it up. But the edge of the soap was lined with like dried calendula and it was so nice. And and pretty, I'm sure. I mean, yeah. I love, I love that kind of, I have a friend who makes like the, the handmade soaps and I'm like, I love that. Speaking of cottage core, like, I think those little handmade soaps are like very, that's like, I don't know. <laughs> Cottage core is the moment. <laughs> okay. I think it's um, always been your moment. It's just finally <laughs> in the public now. It's just finally also the 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 true moment. Um, <laughs> but okay, so catnip mm-hmm. is good. And and so we did like a whole thing about catnip in our cats the episode, basically. <laughs> um but especially for the babies. Yeah. You know, it's like if you're doing the sleep sachet and you have, you know, like a little one that's maybe has nightmares. I I had night terrors as a kid. Um, It's supposed to have like a calm, you know, where it's like it hypes your cat up, but would calm calm them down to have that near them. Um, And so cedar tips and buds are known for their like purification qualities. Uh, and they do have that very lovely piney smell uh, and can kind of like act as like a filter for things. You know, if you kind of think yeah. about this, actually, we so we kind of wanted to talk about, you know, like the filtering quality of cedar tips. But um, I did just kind of like the little mini QWP that we talked about was that like dream catchers. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because a lot of people think, you know, you buy a dream catcher if your kids have a nightmares or whatever. It's kind of like a nice gesture. Right, but like, you do have to respect cultural boundaries, and also a lot of those are like works of art. And yeah, not- they're they're beautiful. I mean, so growing up, my my late grandfather um it was half Native American, and so I know Nick remembers we always had like the most beautiful. We had this gorgeous dreamcatcher growing up, but it was like from the reservation and. I I think growing up with that in particular, it definitely puts into perspective how like disrespectful and tacky those like cheap little ones are that are sold everywhere. And it's just not cool. Right. But cedar. But cedar. But cedar is like a good filter and it's like purification, right? You know, it's like it was like if you don't have salt, you could use cedar or yeah. like juniper. Um but you know, it's a very common allergen, so you might want to use this mm-hmm. sparingly. Well, you can also find I have a really good um, cedar essential oil, so that can be a good alternative if you're somebody that's like allergic to the pollen in it. Mm-hmm. You know, something like the essential oil will still have the same properties, but you won't necessarily be running that risk. I know there it's not quite the same for usage, but if you are someone that has those allergies and wants to incorporate it, that might be a good option. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you because you're missing out on the, the pollen, which is the main mm-hmm. because it really is just all over. I mean, you know. Yeah, it's one of those uh it's wind pollinated. So right. those are the ones Lots people are allergic it. to. <laughs> it's like cedar and oak and grass and all of those things that don't rely on pollinators, so they just rely on the breeze to pick it up, which makes it real <laughs> shitty for people with allergies. <laughs> yeah. Uh don't I cuz it's like green everything season here in Austin like you go up the stairs and you look at your hand and it's like there's a green stripe where you grab the rail yeah it's like all of the green on your car like it's lime rough. like lime green yep all that uh, tree jizz <laughs> so much tree jizz <laughs> um 
I, but okay, so so cedar, yeah, and I do like the idea of doing the essential oils with the sleep sachet as well. Um, so like lavender essential oil, if you've got it, very common, kind of expensive though. Can we talk about how you go to the essential oil section and it's like they're like four dollars, five dollars, and then lavender for the same size is like eighteen dollars. Yeah, it depends too on the type of lavender, which there's a bunch of different species, but um. Yeah, good essential oils are going to cost money, but it's like, right. it's I promise it's worth it because they smell so much better. Mm-hmm. That fake lavender smell is, you know, like if you buy lavender, sometimes it's like that fake lavender and that's... It's so gross. Like, it's weird. Well, once you get accustomed to the actual smell, like the fake chemically like lavender smell is really off-putting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um... But no, so chamomile is, like, mm. great for relaxation. It has, like, that very, like, warm, friendly energy. Yeah. I feel like it's good for this time of year, too, because it's, like, a yellow, like, flower bud. Not a bud. Because it's, like, anywho. It's, like, the middle part of the flower. Yeah, we, we won't get into, like, botany uh, <laughs> lessons today, but... There's a lot of different parts of a flower, but I know what you're talking about, the yellow part. And chamomile is great for um, stomach issues, too. I have a lavender yeah. chamomile tea blend that I use a lot at night because it's, like, really good for sleep, but then it also helps a lot with, like, gut issues. And if you're someone that, like, me has a sensitive stomach, sometimes that can also keep you up. And so a yeah, lavender chamomile say, tea like is perfect. You probably perfect. sleep a lot better if your tummy is not upset. Exactly, exactly. So, like, a chamomile lavender tea, I cannot recommend enough. But, yeah, chamomile's great. Just, you know, we love chamomile. I, <laughs> but, you know, it's funny. I mean, Shannon can see the notes. Y'all cannot. But it's like, I just wrote here, chamomile is great for relaxation. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you knew we would we would have some stuff to say about chamomile. I love it. <laughs> uh, chamomile is great for relaxation. It's also really easy to grow. So, just heads up for people that like gardening. And I do love that. Grow a little chamomile. Yeah. They're cute. They're so cute and they're like little. Like well, I love we're we're rabbit trailing, but I do have to tell you, my cedar box that I have, like my cedar planter, I definitely have one. I've just filled it now with like it's it's all little seedlings right now, they're gonna grow, but like half of it is chamomile and the other half is like lavender and this really pretty thyme. And I'm basically just making like a tea planter. Yeah, you know, just just pull pull some things out, throw it in. Exactly, exactly. But I, I saw the next one and I was very interested too because this wasn't one I would have thought of. So yeah, hops. Hops are good for rest and healing. And the associations between hops and health, I think really, really go back to when beer was like the safest thing you could drink. Yeah. Um. So hops are seen as like a health booster. But for like this application that was the word i was trying to think of earlier for heaven's sake i don't know why i'm stalling out but for this application uh they were they would be good for someone in a sick room you know like someone that's like recovering for some from something um or like you know smuggling into a hospital for (laughs) someone um because it is hard to sleep in a hospital i will say that so i I did want to give a shout out this would be the kind of thing to bring to someone in a hospital it's like a sleep yeah. sachet, something to help you sleep. Like, uh, but okay. So moving on, another lovely little flower, jasmine, uh, mm. is said to boost erotic dreams, it's a sexy especially plant. for women. Uh, 
So if you were the type to curl up in bed with a romance novel and like fantasize yourself to sleep, putting a lot of jasmine in your sleep sachet might be for you. And I also wanted to say I am reading the Bridgerton books right now and they're (laughs) just that sort of thing. You're like, speaking of sexy dreams, um, Um, (laughs) Bridgerton. So Lemon Balm. Speaking of sexy, lemon balm. Right. I was really excited to say, see that you put this on here because, like, a little teaser. I'm covering lemon balm next week. <laughs> so. Right. Ooh. Foreshadowing. Right. Uh, so lemon balm lowers anxiety and helps with insomnia, perhaps by lowering your anxiety. I mean, I would think that would be a natural consequence. Um, right. But it's also good for headaches. So a real triple threat for your sleep sachet, especially if something that is keeping you up is maybe headaches or migraines. Yeah, I love that. Um, Mugwort uh, is an herb with like strong ties to protection and might be perfect for people with especially like violent or intrusive dreams. Mm, Yeah. Because that's the thing. We're kind of like, we're, we're, getting like a collection of herbs and so it's really like a pick and mix right well and i like that you cover mugwort mugwort here too we'll have to talk about it at some point but a lot of like ancient cultures used to smoke mugwort to help with like Mm -hmm. vivid dreams like to help people have more lucid like be able to kind of have lucid dreams because it's like it's like i think mildly psychotropic if you smoke it sure 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 so i've heard of mugwort tea yeah, yeah. Mugwort tea is pretty pretty common. And I don't know that anybody still really smokes mugwort, but I definitely know that historically that was a thing. Hmm. Yeah, fun facts. My I'm brain to think is what full that of random smell things. Like. Cuz you know how when you burn things, they smell just like a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, I would assume it's probably like a little sweet. Um, but yeah, I don't know beyond that. I would just assume that there's probably like some like kind of saccharin yeah. note to it because mugwort does have that kind of like sweet smell when it flowers yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. anyway what my brain is full um, of useless knowledge i'm that's why i'm glad we're doing a podcast i'm getting some of it out yeah you <laughs> just you know it's like a little pressure release valve for you uh it's rose petals but i would say rose hips especially kind of to me have that sleepy vibe yeah um, and very cottage core Right, right, right. Uh, but they, they have that really, like, relaxing and peaceful thing going on, and it really helps with nodding off. And I think this would be, like, a good addition if this is something that you're making for your partner mm, or, you know, yeah. like, your your lover who, who can't sleep very well. Yeah, I love that. Um, which brings us on to the one we talked about just a little bit earlier, Rosemary. Uh, mm. Sort of like the cedar. It's, like, purification. You know, it's... Kind of like that sagey vibe, um, repelling bad dreams. And honestly, I do keep sprigs of rosemary in my little bedside lamp. Uh, and I like, I do, I rarely have full on nightmares these days. Yeah, and when that's... I do, it's like those weird, like super sim. I mean, I, I talk to Shannon about my dreams sometimes. Um, where it's, you know, it's like the, the dream with the wasp and like the weird snake dogs, you know, it's like those are symbolic and yeah, i feel like i need to work important. those out um <laughs> but that's a big deal for nick to not be having like nightmares a lot yeah yeah for people I, that maybe don't know that <laughs> um but okay so kind of moving on to like the stones um quartz for like an energy boost because quartz like cleanses and amplifies 
like the energy that you're already putting into this um like rose quartz for the love connection again especially if this is something that you're making for someone else um and amethyst if you're bougie because <laughs> amethyst <laughs> is expensive uh for for blocking stress especially which is such an important part of going to sleep um and so yeah like the idea here it's a pick and mix you know like you can take the information that i've just said about the different herbs and like mix some together for the different purposes uh or you know there's plenty of recipes out there for like full-blown you don't even have to think about it you just get the stuff and put it together but i i, I would say customization here is key like i said before there's a million variations on getting to sleep because nobody can sleep so you clearly know, it's, that's what we've learned that's what we've learned um but i i would i do like the idea of this you know turning it inside out and writing a sigil there's a lot of different sigils out there for sleep there's nightmare repelling sigils there's like deep sleep sigils restful sleep you know where you like wake up feeling refreshed there's like a pick your own sigil really yeah we should probably cover making sigils at some point yeah or make your own yeah <laughs> making sigils i think is so powerful of course like that, exactly you know uh but if you're doing it as like part of like a a, a larger thing and you, you want to pick one you know there's you, you can google it i mean that's what i'm saying it's like there's so many good sigils out there that are but make your own yes we should go over making your own sigils. Uh, dream intensifying sigils, I have seen. Uh, and you were talking about the mugwort, like intensifying your dreams, which I think is like a cool idea. You know, it's like, I personally, it's like, I always remember my dreams. And so I would love to have like more intense dreams. Um, yeah. Because if I'm going to remember them, they might as well be blockbusters, right? Right. You might as well have a good time while you're sleeping. Right. Uh, but yeah, you make it your own. Because like I said, you know, there is no one size fits all thing for sleep, even here. But it's a, it's, it's such an old school spell. Like, hard to find the origin of the sleep sachet. I mean, if anything, people, people like herbs. Yeah. Herbs have been little plant helpers for a long time. You know, they help you relax. I love that. It doesn't have to be complicated. And it's a very, relatively simple spell. You make a sleep sachet. You make sure it's tied up. And you keep it near your bed. Yeah. <laughs> um, But, so, a lot of the herbs on this list for the sleep sachet also make great ingredients for sleepy time teas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, and I mean, you know, I'm just going to come out and say it. Sleepy time tea is a great sleep tea. Yeah, it is. It's like what, celestial something? Yeah, yeah. The, Forget with the, the name little of bear, with the bear on the rocking yeah. chair in his pajamas, you know. It's it's like mint and chamomile. Uh, but, I, but I would say chamomile, obviously. Sleepy time tea. Because it's, you know, people already make tea out of chamomile. So you know that it's tasty. What can I say? <laughs> um, lavender, uh, just dabble do ya. Yeah, and you don't want to use essential oil to like flavor a tea. I mean, I know no, some, no, no, sometimes no. that might pop, come to mind. 
Um, but you always just want to use herbs for tea and n- not anything that's meant to be like incense or anything. No, you can specifically buy lavender that's like food grade. Yeah, food grade lavender. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I know this, but just saying. Uh, Some, somebody might not. And somebody so, might not. No, I'm saying somebody yeah, might not. Uh, exactly. Mint. Fresh mint is great. Like mm-hmm. if you just throw some fresh mint in your chamomile or your lavender or whatever you're making, like some fresh mint yeah. is great. Um, lemon balm, of course. Good for good for a little tea. And that's another one of those where just a dab will do you, though. Lemon balm's mm-hmm. pretty strong. <laughs> uh calendula of course um kind of i I would say calendula tea probably has like a like a chrysanthemum tea vibe no yeah yeah it does which is lovely in and of itself but calendula has that like sleep aid kind of quality and like that relaxation same with rose hips Mm -hmm. like rose hips are super good for a sleepy time tea like rose hip chamomile also That's good like, for like a nighttime facial mist. A little rose water. <laughs> mm. A little rose water. You feel like a Lady little... Mary, all luxurious. And... Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh I I do love rose, but I, I think too much uh, the, you know, speaking of a dabble do ya. Yeah. Like... You don't want to smell like anyone's grandma. <laughs> um but but all of those are lovely as tea by themselves, and you can mix what you like. Uh but you can also make it a spell simply by focusing your intention. I think, you know, we, you and I both drink a lot of tea. And I know I'm doing magic when I make tea. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like nothing. I mean, it's like when you put the, especially when it's like loose leaf tea. I mean, no hate to people that use bags for these kinds of things. Because do what you must. But when you've got your little leaves in your little cup or whatever. And you're just like putting hot water in it. And drinking it like. In China, they call it grandpa style when you just put the stuff in the cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And kind of just like let your lips be the filter for for all this stuff. Like with chrysanthemum tea and things like that, especially. It's like, I don't know, that's relaxing in and of itself. Uh, But also very magical. Yeah. (laughs) And very grounding. And I think that probably helps you sleep a little bit too. (laughs) Just, Just that grounding of drinking tea um and making and drinking tea making making it is important um so you know maybe this isn't the time to use a bag because making it is the spell right yeah or you can use the bag and depending on because no no no, no, i was saying yes yeah I, i mean heating up the kettle is part of it yeah picking your cup you know it's like make make the little things like that into rituals yeah totally like that's like the little day-to-day magic you can do because i do that i have kind of a little morning tea ritual and i think it's uh it's important to like ritualize things that you do regularly because then it's something you already know you're going to be doing so you might as well make it a little magical Mm. yes or a lot magical you know if you do it every day (laughs) yeah that's true then but i would say Focus your intention. Mix your herbs thoughtfully and intuitively if you're going to be doing multiple things. Uh, But I would say be warned, and not that it's so, so, so serious, but I do discourage using sweeteners 
in teas meant for sleeping. And that is simply because, not even for a magical reason, like spiking your blood sugar when you're trying to go to sleep is maybe going to have the opposite effect of what you intend. Yeah. And depending on your, depending on how sensitive you are to sugars, because I know for me, like raw honey can be really helpful for some people when they're Mm -hmm. sleeping. So, you know, just your mileage may vary, but be aware of the way your body reacts to stuff. like, Like honey, a little honey. But I do, it's like if I like, I remember when I was a kid and I would like sweeten my sleepy time tea with just a little bit of like plain sugar. Mm-hmm. And then I would get like a sugar rush and then I really couldn't go to sleep. Yeah, I think it's why honey is, honey is better because for some people, like honey can give you just that like right amount of like glycogen to kind of like keep your brain, like your brain satiated while you're sleeping. Mm-hmm. but. You know, it depends on, again, it really just depends on how you react to it, which is, you know, true, know true, thyself true. or whatever. I also have, like, a crazy fast metabolism. Yeah, yeah, because... Or, I mean, I'm 30 now, but she's still she's still working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because honey can also, like, kind of, like, raising your insulin levels can help, like, with tryptophan entering into your brain. Oh, so, sure, sure, sure. So all this to say, if you are going to use a sweetener, I would say raw honey. Don't yeah. go sugar. But also, if you're someone who's really sensitive to sugar blood, sp- like blood sugar spikes, then don't do it. But that's why, like, especially with herbalism, it's like it's just really important to understand your body and how your body yeah, reacts like to stuff. Your specific body. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But even then, I would say. I don't know. There's just like 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 honey is fine, but it's like I feel like something so sweet right before bed can't can't be good for you i don't know and I that's mean, just that maybe that, that's like a gut reaction too that might be yeah because i drink honey in my nighttime tea a lot and i do i don't have issues with that it's not related to that i uh so you know your mileage may vary i mileage like a little honey in my nighttime tea <laughs> uh moving on though i did also want to talk about some of like cool magical things you can do because there's like so much on there that's meant to like go to sleep yeah but what about like things that you can do just like with sleep or like when you are asleep because <laughs> uh, we, we didn't just want to talk about how witches can't sleep i'm sure there's plenty of you out there that can sometimes um one of the very very cool things is astral projection which is very, very difficult to do for most people, myself included. Uh, So do not be discouraged if you do not take to trying to do it right away if it is something you're interested in. Because I've been interested in it for a long time. And believe me, it's... I also do not have, like, the gift of a Pisces moon kind of, like, pulling my soul out of my body like Shannon does. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, it's definitely, I think, a thing where we all have different strengths, strengths depending on our yeah, placements. Yeah. And Piscean energy is very good for this sort of thing. But, you know. But everyone, not. I think, can probably do it eventually if you practice. And you It's know. just, it's a patience thing. Exactly, um, yeah. So for those people that are not in the know, though, like, astral projection is when you kind of like leave your body in a spiritual slash energetic form 
and this can either take place on like the astral plane. Uh, this is like the quote unquote closed eye visual version of astral projecting where you might meet like spirits or ghosts or like even like deities or like just like be aware of like the energies of the things around you. Mm-hmm. That's how I met our house ghost. Right. She's, she's very sweet. <laughs> um, And the, the, these are the kind of the things that like aren't accessible in like your normal waking mode. If you're like, have your eyes open and you're walking around um, or it can kind of be more of like a, like a true out of body experience where you're like experiencing the physical world just outside of your body. You know, like that's where you like kind of like float out of your body and run around doing shit. Yeah. And I, for me personally, as someone who has astral projected uh, several times, it's, it's something that I have found a little bit of ease with at this point in my life, but I personally find doing it in a hot bath really helpful because there's something about like being kind of like naked and that little weightlessness that you get in the bath that I find really helpful to sort of like getting me in that headspace. Yeah. And I mean, uh, cause it almost gets you close to like sensory deprivation. Cause when you're doing sensory yeah. deprivation, you're like floating in water and it's dark. Um, yeah, yeah, I always like, do it like with the lights out and candles on too because mm-hmm. even if I'm like meditating with my eyes open, I find that having like candles and stuff, sometimes it's really helpful to have something to kind of like focus on while you're like lowering yourself kind of like into that state. Right. Uh, but okay, so one of the main ways that like a lot of people say you can reach this state is through like guided meditations. If it's like something that you need to learn how to do unlike you shannon who just do it well Uh, yeah (laughs) or you know it's like uh there's a lot of instructions out there as well um the bath thing i think is a great idea like sensory deprivation if you can afford it is a great idea you know go float in a little tank right um but i so want to do that but i feel like i would never come back to my body and i'm a little worried Right, you just <laughs> go live a couple of lifetimes. Right. Come back. You're like, why am I floating in a tank of water in Los Angeles, California? Right. <laughs> what is a towel? And why are you handing this to me? <laughs> um, yeah, I think sensory deprivation states can be really helpful. Like a dark bathroom with just a couple of candles and a hot tub. Not with like bubbles in it or anything. Because I find that like I need minimal like slot like sensations on my skin other than like the mm-hmm. hot water i like to put oils in the bath when i'm doing this um and sometimes i'll also burn incense but i also would oh, definitely oh, I'm recommend always burning incense in the bath yeah, right yeah. i would also definitely recommend if you're going to work on doing this like cleansing the space beforehand um just because you know you're in a much more vulnerable state when you're doing this so i think it's a good idea to like cleanse and ground and like do all of the like protection work before like starting to try and do something like this just like be magically safe as well yeah yeah. i actually i I give a little shout out to that just a little bit later on so i'm gonna skip it now but yes do protection magic with doing anything involving astral projection or sleep sleep is so important yeah 
astral projecting is kind of a, you know, if you achieve it, uh, it, it, it you don't want to not be able to come back. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> but anywho, but so I was saying when I have done astral projecting, it has been in this under under the state of lucid dreaming. Which is I, I can't just like float out of my body in the bathtub. Uh, but I can lucid dream. I do do you remember when I was doing like the pinching and like I had I wore a watch for a long time? Yeah, I remember your like your training. Yeah, and I was like it was flicking like, the light switches a bunch. Yeah, it was like your rocky like moment. There should have been yeah, a yeah. cut scene of you like pinching yourself, turning your lights on and off, checking your watch, like uh-huh. <laughs> so it's like oh so how you I mean cuz some people actually naturally lucid dream a bunch. But all those yeah. people and I know a couple that say that they've done it several times just like naturally. Uh your brain doesn't want to do it. And that, that's just kind of like a steady rule with lucid dreaming. Like, for some reason, your brain just doesn't want to like to do it. It doesn't want to do it. You have to make it happen. So uh, you do reality checks in your normal life, right? Like, you check your watch. You check the clocks. You check the, the light switches. You pinch yourself, which is a stereotype that, you know, in, like, movies and TV shows, people pinch themselves to see if they're dreaming. But... It does work. And then you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> right. And then, bam, you know. So you wake up. You w- you wake up in your dream. And you look around. And maybe if the circumstances are unfavorable, you want to change them in the case of a nightmare. Um, or, you know, it's like if cool stuff is, you know, it's like do cool stuff. Right? But then yeah. kind of I would also say, oh, you know what? I'm going to get to it in a minute. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but so when your reality checks fail... You're lucid dreaming. What do you do now? Uh, you're probably going to wake up. A bunch. And that's the thing. You know, it's kind of like astral projecting. But despair not. It's just a patience thing. You literally have to practice at these things. Yeah. Just, unless you are just have the gift. And I think, too, for lucid dreaming, if you're just starting, like, something... So I accidentally lucid dream sometimes and it's like different than when I'm like trying to Mm -hmm. have lucid dreaming happen. Sometimes the best way to keep yourself asleep, especially if you're new at it, is to just change things in the situation you're already in instead of trying to like move yourself to a new situation. Because I think that's like that's like leveling it up. Right, right, right. And I kind of go over that as well with like. If you are going to do that. Well, anywho, yeah, yeah, get to it. Gonna get to it. No, um, but so, yeah, you're gonna have some false starts. Obviously, using lavender or a sleeping sachet to aid in deeper sleep. You know, you can like customize your sachet for deep sleep would help go a long way here. Um, but once you've got it down, you can like focus on trying to do the uh, what i you know sort of the closed eye visual astral projecting which is just like floating out of your body and i have found that that is a lot easier while lucid dreaming than otherwise um and it's actually like really cool (laughs) so i would encourage people to try it it's a bit of a weird sensation though like you don't feel like a body with like hands and legs you just 
like maybe it's just your heart or like like a buzz like a vibration that you feel that lets you know that you're there you know it's weird it's very strange very cool i okay so kind of on like a random side note one time i did um drugs in a lucid dream and the trip from that in the dream was insane i can only imagine like Um, sleep drugs must be crazy yeah 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 yeah. so it's like astro projecting in your sleep is weird for sure but it's like honestly we're busy people when else are you gonna have the time you spend a third Uh, of your life sleeping like right you might as well do something with it but i mean so so if you get to the point where you're like Lucid dreaming, but not astral projecting. There's plenty of stuff that you can do in the meantime to take advantage of the lucid dreaming state, uh, you know, while you're still working on that, like, mind-body separation. Uh, And obviously, anyone messing around with dreams and mind-body connections would do well to call upon protective spirits, if that is something that you personally work with. And I think Puck might be good here, although we're talking about Puck a little later on. Um, but remember, I say remember because I wrote this one after the other one, but remember that Puck likes to be paid for his services. Uh, this <laughs> which, is also a, go on. I was going to say, which you'll tell ev- everyone about soon. <laughs> yes, I will tell everyone about that very soon. Remember uh, what you're about this, to hear. <laughs> remember what you're about to hear. Uh, yes. So this is also a good time to call upon ancestors if that's part of your practice i i would say i i'm sure i'm not alone in that i've had dead relatives visit me in dreams and i feel like that's a very real and legitimate thing oh yeah Uh, but I, i would say if you have a child that's prone to nightmares you could maybe try to like protect them or like i would say you know there's like that that bond i would say you know maybe kind of like incept them with some love and protection or you know you could do like like a protection ritual in your dream like while you're both asleep i feel like that's very powerful oh yeah Uh, that's so cute too right i mean because you could do spells in your dream but yeah i would say the more complicated the thing that you start doing in a dream is the more likely your brain is to just like nope out like yeah your brain like when you're not in control of your dream and you're just like watching the stuff and like letting everything happen you can still maybe be aware that you're dreaming but you're still going along with it like everything that's happening in the dream your brain is uh okay with that but as soon as you start trying to like do other stuff then it's like no what are you doing (laughs) we're awake now right uh but of course pisces people i would strongly encourage to try this uh because if it's not something you've been into it might be something that you find you're already kind of good at yeah if you're if you have a strong pisces placement if it's not something you've already oopsie daisied into just go for it because i mean they astrally project by accident um but you can also do like that's a thing that happens and it's hard okay (laughs) (laughs) um but so you can also do dry runs of spells you'd like to try or try out variations on incantations if you're like you know like working on your personal book of shadows 
Um, but I will warn everyone out there interested to try that, that the uh, closer your dream settings are to real life, the easier it will be to like stay in the lucid dreaming state. So uh, Shannon mentioned earlier that like trying to change it completely is going to be like your brain's going to nope out of it. But if you change it to something super familiar, it's, you know, you might like your brain uh, can kind of just fill in the details easier as yeah. like a dream setting. You know, it's like they can just slide it out. It's like very easy for your dream stage hands to be like my living room. <laughs> My Rather living room, than, but not my living room, but also right. somehow my middle school classroom. Um, right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. Dreams are weird, man. Rather than being on the moon or like in Switzerland, in the mountains, doing like a sound of music thing. Um, so, you know, use your home altar if you are going to like get into lucid dreaming and then try to like practice magic or do spells in your sleep you're probably going to have a better time using your actual home altar than crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That makes um, sense. I mean, I don't want to call it like crazy stuff. I don't think it's crazy to try to think like, Oh, well I could do this in an exotic location, you know, like the Namibian desert with the moon above me. And it's like, that'll be really cool. And it's like, yeah, but you've never been to the, you don't hang out in the Namibian desert with the moon above you. Yeah. It's not a thing you're if you're if that's not a thing you're regularly doing, your brain is right. gonna just like wake up essentially. The little stage hands in your brain are like, we don't fucking have that. I'm, we don't have that. I'm sorry. Wait, which set is this? We don't have we don't have access to this set. Where what? <laughs> so, anywho, I, I think it's like the more you try to like wake up like conscious parts of your brain, the more it's like nope, nope, nope. You're just wake up. It's over. Yeah, that's why I would definitely suggest if you're just starting out, just like once you notice you're dreaming, just start to change little things like mm -hmm. what you're doing or like how you respond to something. That's a really good way to like start practicing because that's really manageable and really easy to stay asleep through. Yeah, it's not going to be like also, you know, it's uh, as much as you think it's going to be. It's not like you're going to walk through a door into a forest or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> as much as you'd like to be you're gonna have to go down the hall out the door and then the forest will be out past the yard obviously yeah that's where the forest is that's where uh, the forest is um, awesome well nick this was really a really good primer i think on a very big topic <laughs> I, I, I was literally like no one can sleep there's so much sleep magic what do i talk about herbs <laughs> Yeah, right. Herbs. We like herbs. Well, speaking of herbs, lavender, because the sleepiest herb. So lavender, the, the name lavender comes from like the old French lavandre, which uh, ultimately comes from like the Latin lavar or lavare. Nobody that speaks Latin lives anymore. So um, which means to wash. Uh, there are actually 39 species of lavender. Most are native to like Eastern Europe, Northern Africa, and like the Mediterranean area. So lavender is in the mint family. Like the old Roman Empire. Yeah, exactly. Old Roman Empire. Anywhere they would have thrown a Roman bath. Um, lavender is in the mint family. So the Lamiaceae, which you can tell because it's got um, bilbiate flowers really aromatic oils and opposite leaves and the stems are actually square. So that's something you can look out for. Square stems, I think, are in particular like a very easy thing to start noticing about herbs. 
And if they have a square stem, they're most likely in the Lamiaceae family. So it has been used medicinally for centuries as a remedy for like digestive issues, headaches, grief, and stress. Plus like how many herbs actually like have claim to flowers that inspired the name of a color. Like we all know what lavender is, the color when you think about it. And not many herbs have like that strong of a connection to something that we, you know, really think about in the day to day. Well, um, you know, I, uh, I did kind of want to pop in here and one of my favorite little bits about lavender and like the, the I guess the root word of lavender being like wash. Uh-huh. Right. Is that I used to live in like a pretty Spanish neighborhood in Austin and I'll, I, and I used the laundromat because I didn't have hookups in my house. That's not important. The laundromat is called the lavanderia. Yeah. And it's like lavanderia? <laughs> lavanderia? Um, <laughs> yes. I, I do. I love, I love lavender. And you know who else did? King Tut. So when they discovered King Tutankhamun's tomb, um, the burial herbs that were, you know, that had been buried with him were actually still there. And allegedly they said you could still smell the lavender when they discovered his tomb all those, what, centuries later. Yay. Yeah. And it was allegedly also a favorite of Cleopatra. And there's lore that she used it in her, uh, like the perfume, basically, that she wore when she was trying to seduce Julius Caesar and then Mark Antony after Julius Caesar's assassination by Brutus and Cassius. Um, there's also a legend that while Cleopatra was collecting lavender, an asp was hiding in the bush. And that's when the asp bit her and it led to her death. There's even like a varietal of lavender that's called aspic lavender, which could come from the asp association or from spico, which means spiked. Um, the evolution of language is wild, y'all. There's no straight answers. And we all know, know that like Cleopatra tragically like died by suicide, but the involvement of an asp is still very possible. She might have died by suicide utilizing an asp, but we may never know 100%. So the Egyptians loved it, and the Romans, I mentioned already, used it in their baths. It was also a favorite of Queen Victoria. So, of course, it took off with, like, the ladies of that time because, like, the queen was the tastemaker. And she actually went as far um, as appointing someone to have an entirely lavender-centric job. So Miss Sarah Sprules was purvey of lavender essence to the queen. That was her job. That's my future job. Right? Uh... I'm gunning for that job. I don't know who has that job now, but I'm coming for you. Right. I Same. Nick and I are going to have to have a battle to the death. Um, so back in that time, I mean, much like it is today, it was used in like soaps and beauty products and sprinkled all over the damn place. Like they would throw it on the floor in like churches. So when you walked, it would smell like lavender, like literally everywhere. And then for Nick, I wanted to make sure to mention uh, Tussie Mussies. Which are the little bouquets that like noble ladies carried around and they'd hold them up to their noses so they could smell something other than like the hideous scent of the London that they existed in. But I just, I really love the name Tussie Mussy. Like it's yeah. so British. It's funny because I, I've, no, no, no. What I'm thinking of is the, um, the little one you keep in your pocket for the same thing if you're a dude. Yeah, yeah. Called a nosegay. <laughs> so we've got Which the, has the word gay in it. The nose so gay. The, the dude version of that is called a nose gay. The nose gay and the tussy mussy. The tussy mussy and the nose gay. That sounds made up. But <laughs> I think the I think England might be made up. <laughs> it's 
I have no proof it's a real place. I'm just saying. Um, so lavender was also the worn by ladies of the night. So it does have some good like lovey-dovey history. And contradicting that, like pretty much in the opposite, it was also something that they used to sprinkle on the head of young ladies to help keep them chaste. Um, so, you know. So we're going to keep you chaste by making you smell like a prostitute. Exactly. Young maidens would also put sprigs under their pillows uh, so they would have dreams of their future husbands, which is cute. So, but here we are. And you get to decide, would you like to grow some lavender? So you have like a pretty important decision to make right out the gate. You have to figure out if you're going to be growing from seed or from start. And when we talk about growing from start, it's basically growing one of those like tiny plants that you can buy and then just like potting it up or planting it in the ground from there. So I've personally grown English lavender from seed and I've had success in that way, but it does take a while to grow in. The benefits of growing basically anything from seed are that the plants are already um, acclimatized to your environment. So, you know, we've all had this experience and like, Nick, you just went through this where we buy a plant and it's like in perfect condition at the nursery and then it just falls apart in our home conditions. And I am here to tell you to be nice to yourself in these situations because nurse- really is it really isn't your fault. No. Yeah. Nurseries have like the optimal growing conditions. That's their entire purpose, which obviously like we can't do at home for the most part. Like we don't, people don't live at those nurseries. You don't want really super high humidity all throughout your house or you're going to have mold everywhere. So if you're looking though for more instant gratification, I think picking up a plant from your local nursery that you transplant is a fine option. Just like be aware of its needs in particular. So if you're going that route though, and you're bringing home a start, I would say spring is the best time to bring it home and transplant it. That gives the plant like enough time to sort of like get itself situated and happy before it goes dormant in the fall. If you do want to start it later, like maybe even into the summer, I would just go with a more established plant. So it's better equipped to like handle the cold dormant period that's going to be coming sooner. And that's kind of a good rule across plants, by the way, like more mature plants are just hardier. So I think that you're always setting yourself up for better success with a healthy, mature plant than one of those cute, tiny two inch pots. But I also have like an entire windowsill full of those. So I think love for both. But there is like a little bit more risk with the small ones just because they're not fully established plants yet. You know, it's like they haven't lived as much life. There's not as much proof there. So no shame either way, though, just like start wherever you want. And you can always do both and kind of like have a fun experiment with yourself. Maybe you like buy a start, but then also plant yourself some lavender seeds because the seeds are so cheap. They're really easy to get. Um, These are also really good plants, though. Lavender is great for people that are in arid environments or those who are working on like xeriscapes because they're incredibly drought tolerant. Um, And xeriscapes are a landscaping design that is aimed at like reducing or completely eliminating the need for irrigation. So, you know, a lot of a lot of people in like Arizona, they're very popular here in California as well. Um, But if you are going to be growing your plant outdoors and like a raised bed or even in the ground, theoretically, you're supposed to keep two to three feet between it and the next plant. But honestly, as long as you keep it well manicured and pruned, that's not as crucial with this one. This isn't like a sunflower that's like sending out chemicals that will kill nearby plants. You just have to like keep it manicured. And lavender loves full sun. That's just like... 
that's where most people go wrong with it. This is this is a plant that needs full sun. It's really good for like a balcony or a patio. It would really thrive in that like southern exposure you've got somewhere. In a perfect world, this is a plant that wants like 10 full hours of sun every day, which you can also do under a grow light. But since it's native to the Mediterranean, you can also learn a lot about what it wants from soil there by thinking about like its native environment. Like it doesn't need a super improved mix. It doesn't require a bunch of fertilizing and nutrients. It likes something really gritty. So even like a one-to-one ratio of like potting soil to either perlite or pumice, because the most important thing is making sure it's like very well draining. And that becomes even more important if you're someone who maybe doesn't have the most ideal light conditions. Um, And I would just, a a real quick plug for pumice. I think people hear a lot about perlite, but pumice, I think, can for a lot of people be a better soil amendment because it doesn't float to the top of your pot every time you water. So just like little little tip there. So if you're planting your lavender outside, though, clay soil is going to be the most challenging to work with. And if that's the case, you're really going to need to like amend it with some compost to lighten up the soil. You can also even then like mix in some pumice to improve the drainage even further. But if you skipped to just like adding pumice to the clay, you're you're going to have a mess that isn't like helping your plant. So don't, you know, don't just like add pumice to clay. You need to add it to something that's been like improved I'm with just, like compost. imagining that like, right just making concrete yeah i'm like oh oh no yeah don't do that don't just add pumice to clay um but you know i love container gardening sort of across the board and especially with herbs because it does make them so much more accessible to people wherever you live and i do think lavender is a great plant to keep in a container basically wherever but especially if you live in like a colder climate too because Then you can think about whether or not you have like the yard space. If it's in a pot, you can also like bring it inside if you have a really intense cold snap. Same thing, like because they don't like to be super wet. If you're going through a rainy season, you know, then you can like bring it inside. So I think that this is a really great candidate for a container, even if you're someone that has a yard. Just my like two cents. Um, And so now, of course, we want to talk about harvesting, right? Because lavender is you're growing it to harvest it. Let's be serious. Yeah, I mean, you, you shouldn't just leave it there, right? <laughs> yeah, it'd be, don't let it just like die off. So the best time to harvest lavender is when about 50% of your flowers are open. So you're going to take it and basically like find the little, you know, the little growth that has the flowers on it that are about half open. You want to like find exactly where it kind of like meets the woody stem, if that makes sense. Um, no, yeah. So it's like the woody stem is the one that's like growing up. Yeah, yeah, And the exactly. thinner ones are the ones that are going to grow off the side. Yeah, because you don't want to prune like to like the woody stem or below it because it's not going to grow back. Because if it's, if you're trimming off one of those like little side branches and then you cut it, it'll kind of like branch into two more growth points. So right, that's right, right. like, that's the way to go. And if you're like me, you can actually prune up to like four to five times a year if you're in somewhere like LA that has kind of year-round growing climate. But for most people, you at least want to prune twice. So like first, um, when new growth starts appearing, that's a great time to prune because then you can go through and like encourage even more bushy growth. And then the second time you're going to do it is in the fall right before it fully goes dormant. And that's just to like cut it back to prepare it for next season. So everybody needs to prune it at least twice. But some of us, you know, will prune 
many, many more times. So I would also say you're, you're going to want to shape it up regardless of whether or not you're able to use it right away. So I think that drying this is like, it's a perfect herb for drying. We've all seen beautiful dried lavender, you know, just wrap your bundles once you've harvested them in twine and then hang them upside down somewhere dry for a couple of weeks. And so for me personally, it's not the quote unquote ideal situation, but I end up drying my herbs over my kitchen sink a lot. And I know that like, you know, you get more humidity or whatever in the kitchen, but like I live in LA and it's hella dry. So for me, kitchen makes sense for drying my herbs because I can also keep my pets out of there because I can close the doors. So, you know, just find a, find a space that works for you. But definitely make sure you're pruning, even if you can't use it right away. Because again, this is perfect for somebody that likes to to have some dried herbs around. And I mean, but who doesn't like even specifically having some dry lavender around? Right. I think that lavender is one of those herbs that just like really sets itself up well for for being dried. I have a big like pot of dried lavender is sitting on my windowsill in my kitchen. So it's really like, it's really a great herb. So the medicinal benefits though, right? If you're someone who works with like the energetics of an herb, this iter- this herb is um, bitter, drying, and cooling. It's a gentle sedative like we've talked about a lot earlier. You know, it's, so it's why it's so good with things like indri- anxiety, stress, and insomnia. Um, and that's what I think most people are probably familiar with lavender for, right? It's like, I think most people think of like, when you think of sleepy herbs, you think of like lavender and chamomile. So it is also something though, that you'll often see included in herbal treatments for depression, because it has a more immediate effect than some of the slower acting like tonic antidepressants and adaptogens that herbalists will recommend. And I know that we've said it before, but I'm going to say it again, like, please just like, work with your healthcare professionals. Like, I love my lavender tea. But I very much rely on my pharmaceuticals to like keep my mental health where it needs to be. I just I can never use that disclaimer enough for mental health purposes, especially. Um, so it is also like really, really great for you know for your gut health. So a lot of herbalists will use it as like a hepatic and a bile stimulant. Um, it's also carminative and anti-inflammatory and. <laughs> Carbonative is a nice herbalist way of saying it helps relieve flatulence, just like full disclosure. Um, (laughs) Right, exactly. Fart jokes are always funny. Um, And it's generally seen as like safe for children and the elderly. So it's good for things like, of course, intestinal gas, IBS and nausea. And I realized it was kind of funny when I was looking at my notes here. I was like, man, I'm talking like three weeks in a row about (laughs) herbs that are really good for... uh, for digestion. Cause I mentioned last week I did catnip. Now I'm doing lavender and next week I'm doing lemon balm. Uh, and I've also had like a really, my gut issues have been really bad lately. So like subconsciously it's this it's was a, clearly on the, on the mind. It's on the brain. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so lavender though is really great for digestive stuff. Um, lavender essential oil is used topically as like an antimicrobial anti-inflammatory. Um, it's like hypnotic and anxiolytic. <laughs> oh, that was not, um, that was a hard one. That's a tongue twister. That's a hard, that's a hard word to say. That a- is a hard anxiolytic. word to say. Yes. Whatever that word is. Um, so it's it's got a lot of like really good uses like topically as well, which I think is kind of cool. And it is one of the few essential oils that can be used topically without dilution. But it's always prudent to like try a small amount of oil on the inside of your arm and watch it for 24 hours to see if you have any reaction. 
Um, but it is one like I can personally also use it without diluting it. And I have pretty sensitive skin. So, you know, again, your mileage may vary. Always do a patch test with any essential oils, even if you're not doing it undiluted, just because like essential oils are so concentrated. You could be allergic to something like really mildly in plant form. And then the essential oil can like wreck your shit. So, you know, be careful. Yeah, because it's the essential oil. (laughs) Yeah, it's the essential oil. Um, It can also help, though, ease the itch and swelling of mosquito and chigger bites, which I think is like a super hot tip for those of us that are magnets for these types of things. I mean, I was outside a couple of weeks ago and I have a huge ass mosquito bite that I got on my leg like in March when it was 50 degrees outside. So how? It's like I hate I hate that for you. The only mosquito in Los Angeles found me. It can also, though, be applied topically on, like, sunburn and first-degree burns. And I saw a suggestion that I really like to rub fresh aloe vera gel on your afflicted area first and then add a couple of drops of lavender essential oil kind of as a follow-up, which I thought was, like, a really cool idea. So on to the magic. Also, um, if you're going to use things, the the aloe for a sunburn, pop pop that bad boy in a fridge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's That's my hot tip for everyone. If you get a sunburn, put whatever you're using for your sunburn in the refrigerator before you rub it on. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's real nice. That's so good. It's also good for anything you use on your face in the morning because, you know, we're all a little puffy in the AM. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, some like cold aloe with a few drops of lavender afterwards, I think would be just what the doctor who is not actually a doctor ordered. This, um, is, this is such a rabbit traily episode, and I'm so sorry. I know. Like, I know. I know that it is, but I think it's because we're both tired. We're both tired and talking about sleep, and so we have rabbit trailed a lot, but that's okay. <laughs> so on to the magic now. Um, lavender is a masculine plant. It's associated with Mercury, the signs Aquarius, Gemini, and Virgo, high digestive issues, um, and the element of air. It is really good for uses. Uh, it's really good for use in magic and spells for things like banishing, calming, clarity, death walking. We should also talk about death walking at some point. Um, oh, yeah. Divination, dreams, prophecy, protection, rebirth, and renewal. It really is like endlessly versatile magically. So it is a really, really good one to have on hand because it's like between the medicinal values and the magical values, like lavender is like top three. Um, You can use it in like teas, you can burn the herb, you can use uh, the essential oils, tinctures, fresh, dried. I mean, you get the picture. Lavender is very versatile. I'm so sorry. Um, One more rabbit trail. I swear this is the last one. I swear. (laughs) I don't believe you, but go on. I swear it to you. It won't be the last for me, so. Smoke some lavender. I mean, if you smoke. Like, if you smoke weed. We did have a weed episode, so as you know, Wands and Fronts is a weed-friendly podcast, so don't. We love weed. Don't worry about that. But throw a little lavender in. I smoke lavender, not a lot, but occasionally with my friend Eve. Shout out to Eve. uh, Because she likes to put it in her joints. And that is relaxing. Yeah, I love a good uh, lemon balm lavender joint. Mm, So mm. much goodness. Um. So if you are planning to eat lavender, though, I know we've kind of mentioned it, but just remember that a little does go a long way. No one likes to eat perfume. Uh, It's also why it's said that ancient witches used lavender to hide the taste of poisons, which Mm. I, uh, it just makes me think of that scene in Nightmare Before Christmas where Sally, like, uses the frog's breath 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the doctor's yeah. like, frog's breath. And she's like, I thought you liked frog's breath. <laughs> um, which is like, it. it's so weird. So everybody needs to like. Why can I? Okay. Why can I like, like hear the like soup dripping? Like I've seen that movie too many times. I know, right? But also like everyone needs to go back and watch it. Because I bet most people probably don't realize that Catherine O'Hara is Sally Stitches. And no fucking way. It I is. didn't know that. Yeah, that's Catherine O'Hara. And now you will never be able to unhear it when you watch it. Um Oh no. Okay, I'm gonna do you text me if you know where that is streaming currently. Yeah, I'll, I'll text you. I'll text you. I anyway, we're so rabbit traily, but everyone needs to know that that's Catherine O'Hara. Um, so I do think that like its associations with love do kind of go like way back to those like sexy ladies of the night. So if you're doing it in sachets, this could be a good one for like maybe a bed that you share with a lover. Um, you could also rub a piece of paper with lavender before writing a love note. Or I personally have a sachet of lavender in my like underwear drawer and you could definitely do that in like your drawer with your lingerie like ooh la la very sensual very french for some reason i love the idea of rubbing it on a love letter i know right that's hot it's yeah very it's a sexy herb i mean i also like use lavender deodorant because it is antimicrobial and i'm uh i have a really intense skin sensitivity to baking soda which isn't a lot of natural deodorants and lavender deodorant has been like one of the few things I can get that works. That's a natural deodorant, but um, I love lavender on everything. It is also really, uh, it's really useful in like kitchen witchcraft. So I actually did make that like cake yesterday that had lavender in it. Um, but you can, you know, again, like drink the teas, you can put it in baked goods. Um, just remember, little goes a long way. And if you're in a funk, like a purifying bath with some fresh lavender or lavender oils can be a really good remedy. Or even like the Dr. Teal's lavender bath salts are really nice. I, I, I buy those all the time. Same. Same. They're great. They're cheap. No shame in that, in that game. And like I make my own candles. I can't also make my own bath bombs. What, what am I made of time? Um, so I have a job. What do you want from me? I have a job and I do a podcast and I make candles. Anyway, um, so finally on like the dreamy theme though, you can place a sprig of it under your pillow while thinking of a wish. And then by the morning, if you have dreamt of something like related to your wish, it's going to come true. But be warned that if you don't have dreams or your dreams weren't related to your wish, it's said that it won't manifest. So like maybe don't use this spell on something super important. Um, so I used several resources today. Uh, the Epic Gardening podcast, which is really fun. The Herbal Witchery podcast, chestnutherbs.com, Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs, and Entering Hecate's Garden by Cindy Brannon. We do lo- we do love entering Hecate's garden. I, I on this podcast. I love it. I use it a lot. It's I have a a pretty rapidly growing, all obviously always collection of witch books, but there are a few for the herbalism stuff that I just go back to time and time again, and that's one of them. I mean, you know, it's if it's the classic, it's the classic. It's it works for it's, me. <laughs> it's the classic for a reason, right? It's know. the classic for a reason. All right, so we have come to puck i know so that the, the name s- of this episode i'm so excited what, about puck i just have to say <laughs> I, I okay and the uh, puck is a queer icon first of all but 
Okay, so the name of the episode is Midsummer Night's Magic, and it's all about sleep. But then we wanted to talk about Puck as well. Puck is because the connection to the play, but I, I think the, the very interesting thing about Puck is that Puck is in that play because Puck is an English folktale. Yeah, yeah. I think that's, I'm excited you're going to talk about it because I don't know that everybody knows that. So I think this will be a fun one to like kind of maybe shed a different light on something you're probably very familiar with. Right. Uh, so Puck, uh, the hobgoblin named Robin, a.k.a. Robin Goodfellow. Uh, is a shape-shifting trickster god, usually found in English folktales, but really steals the show and causes a lot of the very pertinent action to the plot in A Midsummer Night's Dream. Um, so I would say for everyone who isn't an English-slash-drama nerd from way back like me and Shannon, uh, I thought it would be neat to give just a little background on that story and why it was really so important as to Puck's revival. Uh, so the Shakespeare play takes place in and around Athens, Greece, during the reign of Theseus. Um, and this is kind of taken to represent the, the quote-unquote, the lost world of the pagan past, which is something that people were kind of yearning for at the time. Um, it was like the late Elizabethan era. Um, there's a lot of very cheeky things in this play about the queen dying soon, basically, and like who's going to take over. And I, but I mean, but it's but it's all like uh, subtext. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but it was it was it was a hit even then. Is also part of it. Like they they were yearning for this like pagan history. Uh, the the backdrop to these scenes. And so what's so interesting about this is that even though there is like a defined setting, Athens, Greece, during the reign of Theseus, uh, it's also, there's fairies and puck. And, you know, uh, he even kind of makes up this this play about Pyramus and Thisbe that's this, that's fake it's a it's the play within the play and it's fake and it's um inception so could never inception could never <laughs> um but the 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 kind of weaving the english folk tales in because they they were not talking about fairies and pixies and puck and you know giving people donkey heads in like italian folk tales no. Or I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Greek folk tale. Why did I say Italian? Greek folk tales. Nick and I, this is, we were joking. We took a little break because we were like, this is the most rabbit traily episode. And then we were laughing because we're both tired and rabbit trailing on an episode all about sleep. So bear and with also, us. This loved whole ones. play is rabbit trails. It, like, it is a play of rabbit trails. It really and is. And like the wrong people are getting the love potions and Puck is doing this and. Uh, he also gives the guy the donkey head and, uh, you know, it's like everything that like makes the place so ridiculous and rabbit traily is set into motion by Puck because he's this trickster character and like yeah. very mischievous, but also very charming. I feel like this this episode has big Puck energy. Yes. <laughs> um. So, but Puck is, of course, a, a central character. And the first of the male fairies to appear in the play. Uh, and his trickster nature is very much at play here when he gives 
Nick Bottom, the donkey head. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, he accidentally slips up and makes Titania fall in love with Bottom with a love potion made from a flower. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he also accidentally doses Lysander with the same potion and because he confuses Lysander and Demetrius who they're the four you know they've got the four lovers they're like wandering through the woods trying to find each other basically and they've variously been doped with love potions or like he creates this black fog and like leads the dude he's like so there's Demetrius and Lysander are the, are the men and he uses the uh, the other man's voice to like lure them deeper and deeper into separate parts of the woods until they go to sleep uh and yeah it's just a whole the whole action of the play is like driven by puck's trickery and people loved liked it they loved it and he was an icon then and he's an icon now but he was literally he's literally an english folk tale um and so Like, and this actually goes along with that, like, what was left of the Puck myths when Shakespeare was writing these. So it it was kind of, so we talked about the green man, right? And how nobody knew why there was like a leafy guy on all the churches. And they just called him green man because it made sense. Uh, And it kind of like reincorporated into like modern Wicca. Yeah. Uh, Puck was not quite so lost, but Shakespeare kind of brought, like, brought him back. You know, he's like this trickster. The trickster of the woods. <laughs> um, so, but actually, like most things, the, uh, the Puck slash Robin Goodfellow myth was heavily altered by Christians who insisted on finding Satan in everything that had the flavor of paganism. Because it's kind of like Green Man, you know, it's like Green Man uh, is kind of more involved with like karma and like protecting the forest. And that's kind of Puck's vibe, but they had to make him the devil because he wasn't. I mean, it's like the thing all of like witches were all Satan worshipers in league with the devil. And I'm like, yeah, all these like ancient pagans were totally in bed with your deity. Right, right, right. But no, so Puck was so much of a threat at some point to like the Christian stronghold, basically, in the UK that they called hell Puck's pinfold. Which sounds like a party. Which really does sound like a fun party. <laughs> uh, and so while he was always sort of mischievous, but always, you know, it's like if anything really bad happened, it was usually to someone who deserved it, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, But he, yeah, like I said, he had kind of like a green man flavor. And it was like for karma. Um, But there was also a folk tradition in like, the pan Gaelic diaspora uh, about leaving 
some cream or some milk out while you're cleaning your house to get Puck's assistance. <laughs> That's so cute. And I would say, you know, like a like an updated version of that is if you're like cleansing your house, you know, if you're like smoke cleansing your house or, you know, I like to do this thing where I just like open all the windows. Oh, same. Yeah. To let all the fucking energy out. <laughs> uh, my roommate must think I'm crazy, uh, but. But it helps you know, so much. <laughs> it really does. Uh, you could do the same thing. Yeah. Try it out. I think Puck's really cool. Like, and Puck is a queer icon, so we stand. We do stand. We stand Puck. We stand Puck. Uh, but but I don't know about anyone else, but I have a hard time believing that someone who helps you clean your house is Satan. Yeah. I mean, like, why the fuck would a bunch of people be inviting him to help with the dishes if he was just an asshole? That, right. Why, I mean, that wouldn't have happened. Wouldn't have happened. Um... But so there's also sort of like a tenuous connection that a lot of historians make. And we're really talking like hanging by a thread, like very, very tenuous um, between Robin Goodfellow, a.k.a. Puck, and uh, another famous Robin, Robin Hood. Hmm. So, you know, they both created trouble, trouble for travelers, but kind of dealt out karma at the same time. You're kind of seeing the... The recurring themes, yes? Yeah, it's like uh, if you squint and turn your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so this, of course, is right in the wheelhouse for an old pagan nature spirit. But, you know, it's like Robin Hood's kind of stealing money. The thing, so one of the things that Puck is uh, known for, among many very mischievous things, is appearing as like a floating lantern to people that would be walking down the road. And leading them to a cliff. <laughs> uh, and then disappearing so that they would walk over the cliff in the dark. Uh, whereas Robin Hood is like stealing money and giving it to poor people. Uh, different but, flavors, for sure. Different flavors, but, you know, kind of like dealing out karma. Yeah. Uh, but that was the first Elizabethan era. And so this is actually still the second Elizabethan era, and it has been a long time since the first one. Yeah. Um, so since Puck has come back to popularity through Shakespeare's famous play uh, and kind of cemented himself in what was left of English folk custom, uh, which would then kind of go on to be like Wicca eventually. Uh, Puck saw like a huge pop culture thing happen with like novels, including a Rudyard Kipling novel. Rudyard Kipling, of course, famous for writing The Jungle Book. Um, epic poems, paintings. Uh, and so, but like each successive generation kind of like softened and changed Puck into something like, like a hobbit and pan had a baby yeah that's a really good way to describe it uh so and that's kind of around where we're at now except puck has found an unexpected allyship with the queer community and yeah bona fide queer icon and mm -hmm. i did want to talk about it in this segment because i feel like it's one of those very unexpected things 
Yeah. Um, and so I, I kind of wanted to look into that because I know a lot of queer witches are into Puck. Right? Yeah. No, totally. And so it's like the queering of the Midsummer Night's Dream play over the years as well. So, like, it's always been, like, a very silly kind of play and something that, you know, you could do all these different versions of and, like, different interpretations of. I mean, a lot of Shakespeare is like that. You're literally supposed to do that. Yeah. Basically. But, you know, kind of since the 60s, they've had Puck kissing Oberon, the king of the fairies, and... Just kind of getting, like, I remember when I saw Midsummer Night's Dream on stage, they played up how gay Puck was. Yeah, it's like a thing that it almost feels like it was meant to be at this point because it's just become such a thing. Right, it's like, it's it's canonical. Yeah. And, but we shouldn't forget that Puck is a bona fide nature god in, like, the pan-Gaelic pantheon. Like a trickster god from the forest, yes. But that, it, but we, but it's someone that we can call upon in modern practice. Yeah. Uh, so, as with anyone with like trickster tendencies, like pixies or the fae, you do want to be extremely careful and know what you're calling to before you invoke deities at your home altar. Uh, though with Puck, I think you'll almost certainly have better luck in the forest. Yeah. Much like the four lovers in the Midsummer Night's Dream did. Um, but with that being said, I think there is something to be said for like the, the queer affinities for Puckishness. Um, so I would only caution that Puck likes to be paid. Which we asked you to remember earlier. We asked you to remember that earlier. Puck likes to be paid. Yes. So like the old witch is giving him, you know, the delicious cream for his hard work because he's helping you clean your house, right? It's like definitely one for offerings. Uh, so it's very respectful. And also it's like for your own protection as well because I can't think, like if you're invoking a trickster god and then not making an offering... Yeah, there's, like, no worse idea than that. That seems like a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I think... So, uh, pop it with a donkey head if you're crafty. Because, I mean, it's like there's a reason Puck gave Nick Bottom a donkey head. Because he was always uh, depicted in the English folktales as, like, part animal. Yeah. And sometimes, like, a baby bird. Like, that was supposedly his true form, was like a like a gross baby bird. I love that. It makes me think of, um, I think it's season two of Legion. Anyone who knows, knows. <laughs> um, but so, you know, you got to do offerings. You could do a poppet. Uh, you could do the classic, the bowl of cream. I think mead would not be out of place. Oh, definitely not. But an offering of some kind. And also, I would say it depends on, like, what you're trying to do. You know, bigger ask. Bigger gift. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you spend more money on bigger, more expensive things. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, but so so what would you invoke Puck for? Uh, and so I certainly think we can look at the places that he's known to be the most mischievous to know where he might be the most like effective. So like you might bless a journey by making an offering to Puck to protect 
your journey from kind of going on to the rabbit trail. Yeah, I like that. So you don't want to be misled by trickery or shenanigans. Um, and Puck knows all about trickery and shenanigans. So, <laughs> uh, but also, obviously, one of the big themes of this episode is sleep and dreams. And I think Puck's association here would make him like a very valuable ally for things like astral projecting or lucid dreaming. Uh, because, I mean, you you do need protection when you're fucking around in, in those areas. Like, even if it's, like, just casting your own protection around you at home, like, if you're not going to do something like that, it, protection is, is good. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, it's sometimes scary. But uh, I also want to give a brief throwback to our most recent episode about familiars to say we didn't really go over a lot of spirit familiars or kind of ancestor work, which is also like a totally valid way to kind of express familiarism in your craft. Uh, but I think Puck would be a great deity for queer people, especially to try to call on for that kind of like protection and that like shot of fun impish energy which is just like very cheeky and charming i love that um and i would say that there are many written invocations for puck floating around out there but i have mentioned this before and this is the perfect place for it uh if you would like to petition puck and remember to pay for what you're asking for whatever it is uh, a great chant you know once you've cast your circle and you've cleansed your space, you know, whatever you do, whenever you do. Uh, uh, I think a great chant you can use is like the introduction from the play where the fairy has come across Puck in the Woods, which I have included here and I, and will be reading now um, quite poorly, I'm sure. <gasps> but um, either I mistake your shape and making quite... Or else you are that shrewd and knavish sprite called Robin Goodfellow. Are you not he that frights the maidens of the villagery, skim milk and sometimes labor in the kern, and bootless make the breathless housewife churn, and sometime make the drink to bear no barm, misled night wanderers laughing at their harm? Those that hobgoblin call you and sweet puck. You do their work and they shall have good luck. Are you not he? Which is honestly way better than I could do in a homebrew book of shadows and also super public domain. So I would say have at it. I love that. I And Nick, I think that uh, you are a great writer, not quite to Shakespeare yet, but one day, <laughs> perhaps. Um, so we're getting close to the end, but I had kind of a quick QWP. So this one actually came to me through my lovely partner. So if you're listening, thanks, babe. Um, but this is something that when they showed it to me, I 100% thought, like, thought it was a joke. But alas, people do manage to continue disappointing us, don't they? Um, so there are a lot of vendors online that sell hematite rings that allegedly break when they've absorbed all the negative energy that the stone can handle. So 
Real quick, let's talk about why that's bullshit and a waste of your money. Uh, Most stone is pretty brittle, so it's not a great material for making rings out of. I mean, it can be plenty sturdy when it's like in a chunk, but that's different than thinning it out and carving it into a ring shape. And you know, have you ever? I mean, have you ever seen the kind of industrial presses they use to put the ring shape into a stone like that? I have, yeah. It's yeah. an incredible amount of weight being put behind that drill bit. It is. It is. And uh, one of the reasons that metal is so awesome for like jewelry and rings in particular is because it'll like dent when it's bumped or dropped. Uh, and like this is kind of a tangent, but I feel like it helps make this make sense if you're anyway. So when they're making buildings earthquake safe, which is something I learned a lot about when I moved out to LA, they actually put in frames that like bend and sway, which like by the way, makes fucking like storms and tall buildings in Los Angeles are super creepy and scary because the buildings literally sway a bit if you're up high. Um, but they do this because it prevents them from like cracking under the pressure. It's like bend and not break, you know? Um, so hematite does not bend. It breaks. And I love crystals that are ethically sourced and I support you doing you. Hematite is actually like great for sleep. Uh, for sleep work, it would be a good addition to like a little sachet because it does like help kind of like absorb negative energies. Um, But like, I don't support new agey shit that takes advantage of people and makes us all look a bit silly and like assholes. So like a brittle ring is breaking because it's brittle, not because it absorbed all of that like negative energy coming at you. And scene. Um, and scene. No, I, I remember when you showed me this one, I was just like, this is fucking stupid. Yes. Because obviously that ring was made to break. Right? Ugh, people are so, so bad ideas. Exactly. It's just a great idea for the vendors because then you keep coming back to buy more. Um, so now, though, we are at the end. So that means it's time the, for the tarot scope. The end. The bitter end. Uh, the bitter end. And as someone would say, <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure who, someone, but I'm though. sure you know. So today, though, I have a message for my dear Scorpios. Um, That's you. I am, I'm sticking with my Greenwich Oracle deck for now because it's been treating me really well. So I will probably eventually switch back to doing like the standard tarot cards, but um, I'm really into this Oracle deck. So this is what y'all are getting from me. So for you, my dear Scorpio, I have drawn Stock or Mattiola and Kana. And Stock flowers offer confidence, calmness, and a centered place to rest during times of turmoil and change. So this here is a message for you to focus, listen to your intuition, and slow down because your personal truths need attention. And it's very easy to get lost in the day-to-day. So this is a reminder to like take a beat, and to listen in. And stock is also like associated with relaxation, completion, slowing down and affection. And I didn't cheat at all. This just happened to like perfectly line up with talking about sleep. Um, so think about stock flowers maybe in your sleep sachet. Um, but the suggestion yeah. yeah, but yeah. The suggested spell here is um place a bowl of water in the sun and you're gonna add stock flowers to it. And leave it for at least an hour and then sieve it out and decant it into a bottle with a dash of like vegetable glycerin or like a high proof alcohol like vodka because this is just to like stabilize it and keep it from getting moldy. And then you can spritz this in areas where you need to instill calm, balance and focus. Um, That is my my tarot scope, quote unquote, for the week, y'all. 
It's like your your plants plantoscope. My plantoscope. Um, so yeah, so that's that's the end, y'all. It's been a long one today, but I hope a fun one. I've had fun with it at least, so I hope y'all enjoy it. I honestly, I the meandering aspect of it was part of it. It was vi- uh, very Midsummer Night's Dream. Uh, very uh, puck. And so I'm just gonna say planned. We planned that. Oh, yeah. 100%. We rehearsed it <laughs> so much. Um, and if you want to write us a wonderful review, five stars on wherever you listen to podcasts, that would be awesome. Um, talk about what brilliant playwrights we are. Uh, you can also email us, though, anytime at wandsandfronspod at gmail.com. Um, or you can message us on Instagram at wandsandfronspod. Uh, you know, like, subscribe, download. Y'all know how to like be kind podcast listeners at this point. Rubies, yeah. take it to Atlantis. Anything really. Sleep. Lewd remarks. Something Lude that remarks. actually will keep us asleep. But until then, we say to all the bitches out there, blessed be you sleepy bitches. Best, blessed be you sleepy fucking bitches. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye now. Big puck energy.